TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Second for two seconds to go. Mitch to throw. Up in the oh, air. Deflected pass into the hands <laughs> of Jimmy Graham for the touchdown. Touchdown Bears on the final snap. Straight to the locker room. Of the season. And, yep, to the tunnel he goes. And the Bears get the touchdown, 21-9. They will not have the extra point. That'll be the final snap of the game. And ladies and gentlemen, 2020, now a memory in this early days of January, the wild card playoff loss to the New Orleans Saints, 21-9. And the Bears end their season still without a playoff win since the 2010 season. They'll regroup, figure things out. All right, that's the uh, voice of the Chicago Bears, the great Jeff Joniak who one day will be in Canton, Ohio, in the broadcasting wing. And we're going to be talking Bears football in uh, hour number two. Many thanks, by the way, to Bob Nightingale talking baseball, Rob Schaefer talking Bulls ball, as uh, this Chuck Swirsky filling in for somebody. Because guess what? This should be a basketball game tonight, but we got postponed with the Bulls and Grizzlies in Memphis, Tennessee. So, uh, Jeff, how you doing? You good? Doing fantastic, Chuck. Good to talk to you, and uh, thanks for having me on. Talk a little Bears. So I, I got to give you a story, Jeff, because we were reminiscing about the good old days. Hard to believe they are good old days back in when I came in 1979. And so one of the first letters I've received from uh, someone in sports in Chicago was Jim Finks, who was running the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. He was the GM. And he wrote me a letter saying that he listened to my show on Mutual CFL driving home, and he invited me to his office. So I, I believe back then, Jeff, help me out here. The the Bears' office downtown that was it on Washington somewhere around there, Washington uh, downtown. Yeah. And, and so I went down to see him, and he goes, "Have you ever met George Hallis?" And I said. No. And he goes, I'm, I, I want to introduce you to George Hallis. And I said, what? And so, <laughs> so here I am. I'm 25. Oh I don't gosh. know a soul. I got Jim Finks. And, you know, Jim was a chain smoker. He always had a cigarette. And he was nervous, but he was great to me. He was fabulous to me. For whatever reason, I don't know, Jeff, but he was great. So we go in. And he, he, you know, comes into the office. It was a beautiful office. And there is George Hallis. And, like, I'm in awe, like complete awe. Because, you know, even as a kid, I grew up in Seattle. I'd heard of George Hallis. Who didn't? He invented the NFL, the founder. And so, like, I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> this is George Hallis. Too bad, you know, they didn't have iPhones back in the day, you know. <laughs> I would have right. been on oh Twitter in 12 minutes. Hey, George, you have time to, you know, pose for a tweet? What? If anyway. you would have known then what you know now, you'd have taken a shot with him and uh, taken a photo and had it for a memory. Yes. And see, you know, because even growing up in Seattle, people say, well, you know, the Seahawks weren't around, but you probably followed the 49ers or the Rams or the old AFL with the Raiders or the Chargers. And my favorite team happened to be the Bears. And the reason they were the Bears when I was a little boy, I I remember uh, watching a football game and the letter C was on the side of the helmet. And I thought it was for me which uh, people called me Charlie back then. And I thought the, the team was the Charlies. And so I said, Mom, that's my team. 
And that's how I became a Bears fan. I, actually, that was kind of yeah, a stupid that, story, but it's that's true. That's a great story. No, but, you know, everybody, every, all these Bears fans, that's the beauty of, of what we do because of uh, the intense relationship we have through the radio with, with fans and we're in their living rooms, their cars or whatnot, uh, you hear all the stories and you get email all the time. I'm sure you do as well. Uh, or instant messaging now, as, as the case may be, about how they became Bears fans. And uh, you relish every story because everyone's unique. And as, as the fan base changes over to a different demographic and the, the older folks either have passed on or have left a legacy of of Bears fandom in their in their in their families and how they would uh, rally around the radio or rally at the dinner table and watch the games with the radio sound up and the TV sound down. Hopefully, uh, you 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 feel the the family impact of it. And Tom Thayer tells me that all the time. You know, it was something that brought the family together, and I think that's the beauty of the sport uh, because it's one game a week, and it either makes or breaks your week or in many cases makes or breaks a season for people. So it, they're passionate about it, and that's why we love what we do. Yes. So we just had the uh, anniversary once again of the 85 Bears, and I happened to do pre-half and post on the Bears Network back in the day, and I remember that team, Tom Thayer and company. And there is a generation far, far removed from the 85 Bears. It's almost like the generation that loved the 69 Cubs. Well, people – have fallen in love with the 85 bears over and over. And, you know, I, I know people want to uh, probably write a new chapter for bears football in 2021 for people to really embrace what the future is about. What are the bears going to have to do Jeff in terms of either personnel or just have an idea that, you know what, we have to, we have to find either a quarterback and, and I'm not throwing everything on Mitch. Because it's never one guy, as you know. But where are we going with this, with the Bears, as we move forward? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out here. You know, at a minimum, you know, they got to get things settled in the coaching staff uh, to find out what direction they're going to go defensively. Sean Desai is a very bright, young coach. He's been here the longest of any coach in the building at the moment. But they're losing uh, several or allowing several different position coaches to move on to other teams that have hired new coaches. So are they going to keep the same system? Is it still going to be a 3-4? I mean, I, I'm assuming that, but I don't want to assume anything, really, because everything's on the table in terms of, of your personnel and how you're going to fit everything. I'm not suggesting they're going to they're going to leave that, but you never know. What, what's the best way to accentuate the strengths of the football team and current of the personnel you have? And with 22 unrestricted free agents, uh, able to hit the market right now overall. So there are some significant questions in, in that regard. And then secondly, you know, until the quarterback situation stabilizes for any franchise in the 32 NFL team league, it's 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 really a difficult proposition. You have to settle that position somehow, some way. Who are you hooking your wagon to to lead this team? Because it, it does matter. And the quarterback position is a constant battle throughout the league unless you've got your franchise quarterback that you know you can count on each and every week. And sometimes you can't because they get injured and what's your plan B? So those are the two biggest things in terms of direction and whatnot. But they have, and I know people get weary when you talk about it, but they do have a group of guys that is the core of their team, a big part of their core of their team, that really do love playing with each other. They have high character. It's a very good culture. I know that people don't want to hear that anymore either, but the fact of the matter is they have experienced varying degrees of success over the last three years, and, and, and you got to move on. you got to figure out what's next. You can't dwell on the past, and that goes for coaches, players, and executives. Well, all the more reason – to get this quarterback situation, whether they, they bring Mitch back, whether they move on, I don't know. You have a better feel of that than I do. But, you know, there is a, always a small window where you've got you know, to strike while it's hot because that defense is still, in my opinion, one of the elite defenses in the National Football League. Regardless of what happened this year, I, st I still like this defense, Jeff. And yeah. all the more reason for them to get something figured out because, you know, Father Time waits for no man, and athletes do break down. Yeah, no question. 
You know, and, and, I, and I, I get that. But here's my feeling about it. And I, I know windows are, are always used in, in, in terms of how reporters frame things for a season and how it's presented to general managers and head coaches before, before the season gets underway. But in the NFL, your window is, is the day that you talk about the window. It, it, you know, I remember when Lovey Smith started his first training camp and Brian Erlacher pops his hammy on the first day of practice and he's going to miss a big chunk of time. It kind of ruins your whole plan. Same thing could happen with a quarterback at practice. So my opinion about windows is that they're, they're always right now. It's not about how many years you think the defense or, or your offense is going to be playing at a high level. You've got to keep the window open all the time. You want to be competitive every single year and legitimately try to be a playoff contender and Super Bowl champion every single year. Because the 30-year roster changes automatically. We all know that. And it's not just the bottom end. It's now, especially this year, with salary cap concerns that they might have and also with the lower salary cap expected here because of COVID in 2021. But you have to make decisions that also impact the the future. And you got to sustain in those teams that are able to constantly be competitive and compete with what they have no matter who's playing are the ones that I am most I most admire and that don't make change every couple years I, I get it people are impatient I'm impatient too I, I like I like calling wins but you know the constant change is not necessarily the answer it happens sometimes and it works but you know grow and continue to find ways to overcome. It's like Phil Jackson when, you know, as you know very well, you know, he let those guys play through their troubles. He wasn't going to bail them out. Let, let's find ways to, to figure it out and, and, and build a consistent one that's always going to be competitive. Jeff Joniak is joining us, the uh, voice of the Chicago Bears. It is uh, 712 right here on 670, the score. This is Chuck Swirsky. So, Jeff, in, in uh, the football calendar, um, like we've got the Super Bowl coming up a week from Sunday, and um, and and then we move on to the off season. And really, there is no such thing as an off season anymore in any sport because it completely envelops what's happening with a roster, with coaches, with GMs. But but when do you think we're going to find out a little bit about the vision, the plan that Ryan Pace has for 2021? Well, uh, you know, it's all about the, the different dates. You know, you start out with uh, the first phase would be for designated franchise or transition players. That's February 23rd. And that, that's I bring it up first and foremost because of Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson uh, can be an unrestricted free agent, is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, but are the Bears going to be able to get something done with them? Do they, they, do they want to invest? Will will be a handsome price tag for this outstanding receiver who has really been the, the offensive MVP over the last three years? Or are they going to franchise tag him? Because that's, that's an option that they certainly have. And then, you know, the start of the new league year on March 9th, uh, excuse me, March 17th, and, and that's when you're going to start seeing uh, decisions based on free agents. Who are they going to start adding to the mix? Who are they going to decide to cut loose? And so that's, to me, going to start the whole formula right then and there. So we're, we are several weeks away. you got the Senior Bowl starting this week, so you have scouts there checking out uh, potential draft picks, and the Bears figure they're going to have at least eight draft picks, including the number 20 pick in round one. And so once you get that through that free agency phase, now you're going to know what you're going to need to get in the draft. So I think that'll be the process. I mean, it's it's that way every season, and you're not going to they're not going to tip their hand in any direction unless they start that process with a franchise tag. Jeff, when when you look at Trubisky and and the coverage that he has received in this town, and and again, we're not looking at a quarterback who's Hall of Fame. I get that. But do you feel at times he's he takes too much heat? Well, you know, the heat's going to come when you're a quarterback in this town and virtually every other one of the NFL cities. It just comes with the territory, and you go into a draft. If you're going to select a quarterback to uh, try and become the franchise player in this town, you're, you're going to have to make sure that they have thick skin. You is it, make is sure. it because where he was picked in the draft? Well, you know, again, the expectations, obviously, with that – with that price tag as the number two overall pick is, is certainly going to 
going to be something you can't escape from. And and it, and frankly, in this town, as you know, Chuck, covering the Bears all these years, it's that way for every quarterback. If it's a free agent or if it's the guy coming in off the bench to bail somebody out, you're expecting more now the next week. That's just the way it is in this town. And and you know that going in. you got to find a mentally tough quarterback and and he is in my opinion I, I do believe he is that way and u- uber competitive but uh it's it's been a lot of different factors certainly that the drafting of Mahomes and the excellence of him and the Deshaun Watson it's going to stir the pot so to speak and it's just it's just the way it is but again you can't you can't dwell on the past you got to figure out if he's your guy for the future or if he's going to be a part of the future and you and you roll with it but until the Bears win another Super Bowl, and the day after they do, it's going to start up again. So that's how it works in the NFL. Jeff, what did you like about the ball club this year? What I liked is the in-season adjustments. They just never gave up and were stubborn enough. You know, I I brought this up here with Mullion Hall on my weekly hits during the season is that offensive coaches in particular are very stubborn by nature and well, they why believe do you in what that? they believe well because they believe in their system and, and i'm not saying that's necessarily a negative either you got to have a belief in what you do in order for your players to believe in you and you have they those players have to believe you're going to put them in a position to succeed and i've known offensive coordinators that shut their door and they don't want to hear from anybody else in the building their own staff let alone players or getting suggestions from anywhere else that's just the nature of the beast. Not all cases, but a lot of cases. And so <clears throat> I do like the fact that those offensive coaches relentlessly tried to figure out answers to fix the issues of the offense. And over the course of the season, it did start to improve. Uh, they made big adjustments in season on an offensive line, which you rarely see other than forced to because of injury. So they shuffled the deck and they found a way to become an offensive team that could put some points on the board. Otherwise, you have no chance. And so they created a chance, and they got to the playoffs. No matter how you got there or why you got there and what happened, you did get there because of what you managed to to do. Mm, Good stuff. Hey, listen, Jeff, I'm going to let you go. Hope you're doing well. Likewise, uh, Chuck. You you uh, know what? As as a fan, I'm excited to see where, where this is going because this is a very competitive league, and there are a number of quarterbacks on the block. And yep. there are a lot of teams right now with a quarterback who are probably in closed doors with an owner and a GM, and maybe that's it, or maybe one more person in that room, and they're saying, listen, we like our quarterback, but if we can get a Stafford, if we can get a Watson, if we can get a Darnold, we're going for him. And, oh, yeah. and it could come out of nowhere. And people say, wait a minute, I didn't know that guy was available. I didn't know that team was going to make a move. And that's the beauty of the NFL. But this is a very competitive league, period. Well, I think it could be. And I know many of the national uh, writers have uh, suggested it, the guys who've been around a while. It could be the biggest quarterback carousel of all time this offseason. There, there could be anywhere upwards of 18 teams that make a change of quarterback. And like you said, how many in some teams, cases, Jeff? up to eight, maybe 18. Wow. I mean, either because of need or they want to change. Yep. Now, who knows if that will actually happen or if it's just a rallying cry right now to get everybody stirred up. But there there could be substantial change, and the dominoes will start falling sooner than we think. So, you know, it, it's one thing to desperately want somebody, but don't sacrifice all your assets for the future to get a guy that you're not going to be able to build around. So you got to be careful, and it's a fine line. It is a fine line. Jeff, as always, a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chuck. Good luck the rest of the season for you, buddy. Thank you. Jeff Joniak joining us. The uh, phone hotline brought to you by Alpamonte Nissan. Oh, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. In a moment, we're going to uh, talk with John Greenberg, the editor-in-chief of The Athletic. And I want to talk about The Athletic because I think it's been a fabulous addition to uh, the sports media landscape in Chicago and, for that matter, across the United States. But I, I want to hear the story of The Athletic and how it's trying to maybe shape the um, shape the way we look at, at long-form media. 
and uh, some of the angles that the athletic approaches on a daily basis. So we're going to talk with John about that and other sports. Maybe you get a word or two in about the Ohio University Bobcats. Not Ohio, but Ohio University. I'm a proud alum, as John is, and it drives me nuts when I go on like ESPN3 because they have a lot of Mid-American Conference games on the streaming service, Mike. Mike Rankin is producing and the the commentator so well Ohio's leading Ball State Ohio with a 48-32 lead over Western no 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 it's not some vanilla Ohio it's Ohio University well, like, how would they differentiate Ohio University from Miami of Ohio? You know, there could be. Well, they did this there. because they they wanted Ohio U wanted to put some distance between themselves and the Ohio State University, which I still don't understand. Like, what's the the for? You're Ohio State. You don't need the Ohio State. It's like Miami of Florida. You know, the U. Okay, that's pretty good. I like that. The U, but. You know, don't get me started on Ohio State. Anyway, we'll uh, come back with John Greenberg, the editor-in-chief of The Athletic, in a moment right here on 670 The Score. Chuck Swirsky on 670 The Score. Yeah, we're filling in tonight because we have no basketball with the Bulls playing uh, the Grizzlies in Memphis. That game postponed, one of two for the Bulls thus far. They had a home game with the Boston postponed and now with Memphis. We don't know when they're going to make them up, but when we find out, we'll obviously pass them on to you. Next Bulls game coming up Saturday at home against Portland, 645 right here on 670. The score, Mike Rankin, has put our show together. We appreciate his time and assistance during the course of the last few days to get this in order. During our break, people are saying, well, you know, do, do you talk sports with Mike? What do you do? And I'll tell you what, I, I decided my wife put together a little goodie package and I'm I'm into the hummus. This, this is a, a, a new leaf that I'm turning over. I'm in the hummus. I'm into red pepper hummus with some hot green tea. Actually it's chamomile tea. See I'm 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 walking on the wild side here. I've gone chamomile. But anyway, uh joining us is John Greenberg, the uh, editor in chief of the Athletic in Chicago. John, how you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing, Swirst? I'm I'm doing hummus? well. So I, I want to talk a little before we get into sports and we can go all over the map on this, but I want to talk about the athletic. I'm a huge fan of the athletic. I didn't know what to expect when the athletic surfaced. What has it been five years? Yeah. Yeah. Five years this, uh, just this week. All right. So for people really not, you know, if it sounds like commercial plugs, so be it. I don't care because <laughs> I'm doing this show and I get to do what I want for now. If Mitch Rosen's listening, I probably won't be on the air next segment, but I want to talk about the athletic. Tell me about the athletic. Why should people read the athletic? Well, I mean, it's just good. It's just good sports journalism. If you're, if you want to really in-depth stories, you know, that go beyond a tweet or just, you know, the basic stuff, you know, you're going to want to read the athletic. We, we have reporters for every beat two on the Hawks, bears and bulls plus extra feature writers. And, you know, we, we cover it as well as anyone, you know, I think we've got, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but I think we've got the best staff in the city, uh, really experienced writers that are pretty attuned to every beat and, you know, have good sources and can write good feature stories. And you're also just going to get a lot of extra, you know, extra kind of stories that people, you know, that maybe they have a place to have the staff for or the space for, obviously not in the paper, but, you know, we're, we don't have a, any newsprint, so you know, we have as much space as we'd like. You know, we're working on some big projects right now. We've got a pretty fun, well, it can it can be considered fun or, or depressing uh, Bears package. We're starting next week. That's going to run through the month of February and into March. Oh, so, tell me more about that, or as much as well, you can. Yeah, you know, as much as you can. We're just we're just kind of it, it's a historical uh, it's kind of a historical rundown of, of the Bears. Uh, you know, some of their history and some of their failures and some things that are kind of important right now. But I don't want to. Don't want to leak it till it till it goes. I get you. And then, sometimes there's a similar one. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know what, John? Here, it, the the thing that I love about the athletic, and then we can move on, and we will talk sports. It's not it's not only the reporting, but it's how you cover on angles from things that really bring in a reader, such as myself, because I, I think that's you know, whether it's a breakdown of a play or whether or not you're doing a feature on something that may not be just 
a pedestrian. Uh, but I, I, I loved stuff like that. So you're to be commended along with uh, from a national standpoint. And so that brings us to what's going on in Chicago sports. How would you categorize right now sports in our city? Oh, man. I mean, that's a great question, Chuck. It's tough. I, I would say it's kind of a lull right now. I don't, and I don't really want to say a lull, just that, you know, no, you know, this is a city where we, we, you know, you pride yourself on what are you doing to win a championship, right? Well, right now, I mean, the only team that's really, that really has legitimate championship type hopes would be the White Sox. And, you know, there's a lot of questions about that team. Obviously they, they just made the playoffs for the first time, you know, were bounced out in that extra round. So I think it's tough to say that they're, you know, are they World Series contenders? I wouldn't say so yet, but I would say they're, you know, they're going into the season certainly as the heavy favorite in the AL Central. And every other team is just kind of, you know, what the Bears don't know who's going to be the quarterback. They've lost almost all their assistant coaches, you know, because people are fleeing uh, what looks like a lame duck situation. Blackhawks are totally just starting a, a rebuild or a restocking, whatever. Bulls, I think, are probably the second most, you know, I would say, you know, the Cubs are obviously, we don't know what's going on with them and who's going to be around. I would say the Bulls are probably like the second most, you know, optimistic kind of team. And they still, we still don't know what the Bulls are going to be. Well, you you mentioned the Bears' assistance for a moment. And, and you're right, you know, Matt Nagy, one year remaining on his deal, or at least I think he has one year left. Does yeah. he have more than one or one? It's, it's one, but they're very cagey about uh, okay. feeling that. So, I mean, can can you blame an assistant? I mean, if like the, the one of the assistants went to Detroit today, correct? Yes. Okay, so uh, yeah. this new coach for Detroit, and I was like, I saw his press conference, and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. Like he he dialed it back to the fifties and sixties. I thought I was forget about Nick Saban. I thought I was watching Lou Saban, and <laughs> I mean he's he's talking about biting a kneecap, and I'm thinking you got to be kidding me. But I guess he's well respected. This Dan Campbell, I guess you know people either really really like him and they feel that you know he's a throwback an old school guy. He got a six year deal with the Lions, six. Not four, not five, six. So uh, I think Deuce Staley just left Philadelphia staff to join Detroit. So they're probably, you know, giving them security. They're giving them a lot of money. And they've got probably a honeymoon, even though probably short in Detroit, because they're going to trade their quarterback. And that takes time for you know, a transition period. But, I mean, can you blame – if you're an assistant coach with the Bears and somebody calls for permission, you, I mean, if I'm an assistant, i got to listen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough situation in that field where people are always moving around and you always have to kind of have your eye on uh, what the next gig is. And if you get a promotion, they can't deny it. But, yeah, it's it's real difficult right now for them to, to even get coaches. I mean, it's – that makes the job even more challenging of teaching players. And it really puts a lot more pressure on the coordinators and on Matt and Aggie, you know, to figure things out. It doesn't, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't put them in a good position going into this year. And that's, you know, that's really the argument against lame duck coaches and lame duck executives, you know, if things aren't settled as far as, as far as that stuff goes, because you know, what happens, you know, you saw like, I think it's great that Sean Desai is getting this, this uh, defensive coordinating gig that he got this promotion. He's been there since Tressman. He's worked his way up. The guy's got a PhD. Everyone loves him, you know, and he wouldn't have gotten this job most likely if it wasn't this kind of situation. And, you know, it was a much different, you know, in, in terms of experience, but, you know, in Lovey's last year, Mike Tice was promoted to offensive coordinator. Mike Tice had never called a play. I don't think in his life. You know, he he was never he wasn't an offensive coordinator before he became head coach of the Vikings, and all of a sudden he's got to call plays on offense. You know, he didn't know what he was doing, and it was like a. But that happened because Lovey was the same way as that people. He wasn't a lame duck, but people figured that he he was kind of on his way out with a new general manager. So it, it just doesn't it doesn't make it good for the team. It really doesn't in this situation. John Greenberg, the editor-in-chief of The Athletic in Chicago, joining us right here on 670 The Score. You know what, John, it just, you know, the light bulb just went on. I'm thinking, you know, here we've talked a little Sox, some Bears, Bulls, you know, we'll talk Cubs in a moment. 
We haven't mentioned the Blackhawks. Where where are they right now in the market? You know, I I think they're they're still. I mean, they're better than they were before <laughs> before the before the you know Renaissance, right? They have they built this kind of they built I wouldn't say goodwill, but they built a huge fan base. Yes, you know, they over did. The last decade and have and yeah, right. I mean, have the the casual fans dropped off? Of course, casual fans aren't, aren't excited about that, but the diehard Blackhawk fan, you know, is multiplied, you know, a thousandfold, you know, in the past decade. So mm-hmm. they still have their fans and the people that really care about them, you know, people that care about these younger players that want to, that want to see something that want to see some progress from some of these guys. They know they're not, you know, going for a cup, you know, they're probably not going for a playoff spot for a while. So I, I think it still is, you know, they're really catering to the diehards right now, but the group of diehards has grown, you know, exponentially over that time. So I, I think in a lot of ways they're still in a good place because you can see the anger of Blackhawks fans. And I see it in the numbers, you know, when, when they have something to be mad about, that's when you can figure out what your fan base is. Because if, if things are going wrong and people aren't angry, that's, you know, you know that Chuck from working in sports, that's a big, that's a bigger problem. Right. Apathy is the biggest. Apathy anger. is the worst. Once apathy sets in, you're in big trouble. Right. All right, so Cubs baseball. Um, you know, they're in a division right now, John, where uh, whether they want to admit they're in a rebuild, maybe they're not, maybe they are, maybe they're trying to get in a rebuild, maybe they're trying to get, you know, restock their farm system, and they're hoping that somebody, you know, will will bite on a, you know, Bryant trade. Having said all this, they can still win this division because this division is not very good. I mean, they're, they're, the, the bigger issue is how are they going to fare against the Dodgers, Padres, Washington, Philly, New York, those teams. And and my question is this. As you're talking to a Cubs fan right now listening to the score, what message would you drive to the Cubs fan about 2021? What should they expect? Oh, wow. That's a great question, Chuck. I, I can't – I would say expect um, a sub-500 team. You know, expect a team maybe around 500, and I wouldn't expect much of anything. I mean, I don't even know who's going to be on the team. It looks like they're not going to make any other moves right now. So, you know, you, you figure they're going to go with the core they have left. But, I mean, they, they've got they've got to add some more pitching. They've got to be aggressive in this pitching market, you know, and maybe go for maybe go for a Carlos Rodon, you know, someone like that, Chris Archer, one of these guys who, who needs a bounce-back year and isn't going to command it. A huge pay, a huge payday this year because they obviously don't have the money to do it, and no one in the Central has spent any money. So the Cubs still have a decent chance to win the Central, but I mean they've got no pitching right now, and they lose Schwarber, who you know you can criticize Schwarber for not developing like you know, like he was billed and like he was hyped and, and as people hoped, but Schwarber you know still had in a full season is still going to get you 30 home runs or close to it. Now you lose that from the lineup as well. A, and you lose out more as defense, even though that wasn't as valued anymore. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be pretty difficult for this team to win games. So, you know, maybe Baez and Brian, if he's still on the team, and Contreras, if he's still on the team, you know, really have nice seasons and, and bounce back. And you got Rizzo, have his usual season. You know, they'll be able to score some runs. But, man, they're, they're going to be in some trouble. But, again, no one from the Central spent any money this offseason at all. Like, it's someone, someone posted a – you know, the, the the amount of money that's gone into free agency in every division and the Cubs were, you know, so far last, you know, it was like, it's really, def- it's like they're the Pittsburgh Pirates of, of, of divisions, you know, and they have the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a fan of a team in this division, it's very deflating, whether you're a Pirates fan, sorry about that, John, or, or a Cardinals fan or a Reds fan. I mean, you know, the Reds gave up their closer and, and yet, you know, and the Brewers, I mean, this is a bad, bad division, period. So. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows what's going to win this division? Is this going to be, you know, I remember when I was graduating high school in 1997 and the Pirates had their best season between, you know, their NLCS, last Barry Bonds NLCS. And then, you know, a few years ago when they, when they won the wild card, they had their best season and they won, they were like four games under 500 and they finished second by like two games to the Astros. Is this going to be that kind of division again? Yeah. Where, you know, you, I think a sub 500 team might win it. Mm. 
Well, John, listen, I appreciate your time. Thanks for, um, you know, dealing with the uh, questions about The Athletic because I'm always curious because I I read The Athletic like 24-7. I'm a huge fan. As you know, I put that on Twitter many times for the writers that you do, and and I think it's it's great. So continued success on your fifth anniversary. All the best. Yeah, well, check's in the mail. Thank you. (laughs) All right, that's John Greenberg, the editor-in-chief of the Athletic in Chicago at a moment. Ron Coomer, one of the voices of Cubs baseball right here on 670 The Score. He's up next right here. This is Chuck Swirsky at 20 before 8. I guess it depends on how you uh, define tearing things down. I mean, you and I would define that as tearing things down. Um, you know, and they're still hoping to trade Contreras, and you still hear Bryant's name out there. I don't know whether they're going to ultimately trade him or not. Now the uh, Blue Jays have come up with uh, – Semyon, so they're not a candidate for Brian anymore. Presumably, um, the Mets are really uh, the candidate, I guess. Maybe you could say the Dodgers, I do, although I do think Justin Turner will go back to the Dodgers, even though Milwaukee's in on that one. You know, it's uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see here. Uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Well... Well, that's uh, John Hammond this morning right here on Mullion Hall on 670 The Score. Our phone hotline brought to you by Al Pamonte Nissan. Al Pamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. And joining us, the pride of Lockport, Illinois, Ron Coomer, former Major League ball player, of course, and the Cubs Radio Network right here on 670 The Score. Ron, how are you? I am doing great, Chuck. Great to be on with you. And uh, I just listened to that, and boy, it's not that bad. It's not all doom and gloom on the north side of Chicago, I promise. Well, it's not that bad. <laughs> you, by the way, before we talk Cubs baseball, I did work out, work in your, your name in a Bulls broadcast because there is a player in the NBA from uh, Lockport, Rashawn Holmes, and he's from Lockport. And, um, and so I said, you know, I, I was going down the list of some people from Lockport, Illinois, and there you are. There I am, yeah. So we, we've got a few. There's a few guys that played in the NFL, um, and, and there's a few of us. Um, Lockport at one time in the 70s and 80s, they were state champs in basketball. Um, well, the guy with a coach named Bob Passarge, who they were a great program. Um, and basketball was a sellout every single night while I was in school there, and um, it was a big deal, and it was a lot of fun. Um, we need to get back to that one day in good old Lockport. Yeah. So did you play for the Lockport Porters, the high school? I did. Absolutely. Yep. I play, I was there for two years. I went to St. Rita for two years. Okay. And like a lot of kids in the South side of Chicago, we moved out to the suburbs and then I went to Lockport for two years. So I was at St. Rita for two and Lockport for two. Now, St. Rita, was it the Mustangs? Is that their nickname? You or? got it. St. Rita Mustangs. Yes. Yeah. You know, when, yeah. when I came to Chicago, in 79, the head football coach, I think it was Pat Cronin. Does that right? Pat Cronin, absolutely. Legendary he, coach, Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, yep. God bless his soul. He was great to me. He would he would call me up probably once a week, week and a half, two weeks, and we just talked football. Like, he was great. And um, I, I, I really, I mean, Pat, oh, my gosh. he. I mean, the guy was a legend. Absolutely. He was, he was one of those people that – you know, you, you wish we're still around today because, you know, we're missing so many of those characters of our games, right? I mean, that's what we miss. We, you want to you wanna sit and talk to those people who, you know, have, have dealt with so many kids and have, have done so many things and won state championships, but it's the people and it's the situations that they were in and, and what they've done. You know, those are the, those are the things that, that uh, you know, you just miss when, when we've lost some of the, some of the legends in our games. Yeah. You know, there's, there's another guy and then we'll move on and talk Cubs. There's another individual just like that, Ron, and his name was Gordy Gillespie. Oh, absolutely. Gordy recruited me at St. Francis. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, he was at Lewis for a while, I think. Um, But I mean, just a wonderful man who just, you know, cared so much about young people and coaching and mentoring, and I can't say enough about people like Pat Cronin and Gordy Gillespie. And 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 I think you're right. We need to get back to people, and there are people, but people that have devoted their entire lives to to help and encourage you know young men and women for that matter. 
We just lost one just the other day. I've had a great coach and Jim Hall who coached me at Lockport for many years. Um, and he was there, he's retired and a guy just passed away who was working at Cog Hill, but coached his entire life. Bob Voss, who was a head football coach at Marion Catholic and at Lamont and just a great coach, great storyteller. And he worked at Cog Hill, the golf course. And whenever I would play golf there, I would go see Bob and it was, you just, you know, ask him a couple questions and we were great friends and just listen. That's all you had to do. The drink tasted better. The food was better. And Bob was telling stories. It was phenomenal. And we just lost him just, just a few weeks ago. So it was a sad, sad deal for all of us. But um, yeah, we're, we, you know, those people, you just, you need to cherish them. And the people that are around right now that, that are those people that are storytellers and and have done great things in our sports. You, you know, Ron, I, I was I was thinking about um, Tommy Lasorda the other day and a conversation I had with former Cub who unfortunately passed away prior to Tommy, Jay Johnstone. Mm-hmm. And I remember the 84 Cubs and Jay Johnstone, we got in a conversation one day about Tommy Lasorda. And he said, you know, the, the best thing about Tommy was not the X's and O's and managing and all that. He said he would tell me, he said, you know, you're going to play like once a week as a pinch hitter, maybe once every eight games, could be six games, but somewhere, and maybe I'll toss you in for, a, for an inning or two in the outfield. But he said the best thing about Tommy is you would be on the end of the bench. He would walk down the, the bench. He would ask you, he would remember your wife's name your kid's name. He would genuinely care about you as a person. So that's why you wanted to bust your tail for him. Yeah, you're right. Those are the things that you remember about playing. You know, I, you know, I don't remember all the, all the moves Tom Kelly made or Joe Torrey made, but if I see Joe Torrey in an airport or I see him at the ballpark, he comes into the booth to say hi. And that's what you think of. That's what I think of Tom Kelly. You know, it's the it's the personal touches, you know, of of my managers that you just you think about and you go, you know, this is why they were great. And it's it's not all about X's and O's. Nope. And I think you guys have one now, right? The Billy Donovan. He Billy has Donovan. done that. Yes. Billy Donovan. Boy, when when that was announced, I was stoked for you guys and Jerry Reinsdorf and the Bulls because you you there's certain people that you know make an impact in their league, and Billy Donovan's one of them. And now the Chicago Bulls, you know, you're a couple games under 500. You're on the right path. You got the right guy, and you got a leader, and you got a quality person, and you got some good young players. So that, you know, the sun is shining bright on the Chicago Bulls. Well, let's talk about uh, sunshine at Wrigley Field for a moment, and hopefully there will be fans somewhere during the course of the season. Yeah. uh, Because I know you missed it. I miss it at the United Center with the vibe because – you know, the electricity is, and, and the game ops do a wonderful job and the people are fantastic. But without fans, it's just different, you know, and, and the players are the first to admit that. So, Ron, going into spring training, what can the fans expect from Cubs baseball? Well, first of all, we got, you know, we got to see who we're going to have, right? I mean, it's obvious the Cubs are, are making some moves and, and they're in somewhat of a rebuild. You don't trade away your number one starter and say, you know, we're not trying to, to do something a little different. Um, but you know, the one thing about the, the Cubs is they've got a really good core of players who, you know, be quite honest, didn't have their best years last year, you know, in particular Javi and Chris Bryant. And I look at both of them and, and I anticipate both of those guys just from knowing them as well as I do to have huge years this year. I, I really do. You, you don't keep guys of that quality that are possible MVPs down for too long. They figure it out and they'll bounce back. If they do in our division, you know, like, you know, you were talking here earlier, the, the division is down. Nobody has spent any money. Everybody in the division has subtracted. Nobody has added. And why is so, that, Ron? I think, I think it's an economic thing. I, at the end of the day, Chuck, when you look at Major League Baseball, there's less than a handful of teams that have added, right? I mean, free agency right now is is a struggle for for a lot of guys. And is that because of be a, the economics of the game because of COVID? Absolutely, absolutely. The economics of the game with all the all the major market teams losing a substantial amount of money last year with having no fans in the stands. You know, you knew free agency was going to take a major hit, and it has. 
And this was very predictable for guys that have been around the league a long time. And there's been a handful of teams, the White Sox being one of them, San Diego being another, who were set up to do well going into this season. And then when you have the situation with COVID-19 and no fans, they were prepared for this. They they didn't know we were going to have a pandemic, but they were prepared to be good at this time, and they were going to push all their chips in, and it just so happens no other teams are really doing that. And, you know, they stand out like crazy. And um, you got four or five teams, the Mets with a new owner, they're pushing all their chips in. The White Sox have done that. And San Diego, other than that, you're not seeing a lot of big, big contracts, a lot of big signings. The Yankees have been a little bit, you know, out there that they've signed a few guys, but nothing like we're, we're accustomed to seeing in, you know, in a normal season. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say the Cubs go into the season with what they currently have. What do they have then opening day? I would say your 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 situation is you're three deep at starter and you've got two young guys that you're gonna roll the dice on, right? Mm-hmm. That's um, I would say Alec Mills, you know, after the no hitter and 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 pitching the way he did, he was gonna warrant a spot in the rotation no matter what. So he was gonna be so you got three quality big league starters who have all pitched well. Your first two guys have pitched you know, in the, in the twos and three ERA for a very long time. So that's, that's just fine. The two young guys are power arms and, and believe me, the Cubs are going to make another move in the rotation before this spring training gets started. But then at the end of the day, the whole season is going to be riding on the core players, right? You, you can't play well and think you're going to do well without your star players playing well. And that's Rizzo who is the leader of the team, that's Bryant, that's Javi, and that's Contreras now. So if those players play well, the Cubs are going to win the division and they'll roll. If those guys do not and they play like, you know, especially a couple of them like they did last year, you're going to have your struggles. And that's any team in Major League Baseball. If your stars don't play well, you're going to struggle. And that's the same thing in any of our major sports. Yeah. Now, you didn't mention Hayward. So where is he in the mix here? I think Jason, Jason's another one of those guys, you know, you, you've got to look at him and he, he had a very good year last year. So he did not struggle. He actually was the one guy that to me, Anthony did fine too, but I mean, Hayward was the one guy that really took a step forward and I I was encouraged by Jason. So when I look at the Cubs, I I look less at, you know, struggling players and, and bringing up Hayward's name. Now he's had some struggles in years past. But that was not the case last year. He, he swung the bat well, and, you know, he's a gold-glove outfielder. So he was a guy that, you know, you hope can maintain what he did last year and keep the mechanics of his swing because he's a, you know, he's one of the rare guys that the mechanics of his swing are where he has his ups and downs. But um, I, I think Jason, Jason figured some things out last year, and he's one of those guys that you might be able to count on to be a 280 hitter. And if he could do that with a little power and drive in some runs and give a little protection to the middle of the lineup, that would be great. Ron Coomer joining us for just another minute or so right here on 670 The Score. Uh, Cubs baseball, uh, hopefully around the corner just in another month and a half or so with uh, spring training baseball. By the way, we had Bob Nightingale on from USA Today and, of course, the Intercom Sports Insider, and he is convinced baseball spring training baseball will begin on time ron i was very shocked now i was listening to you um talk to bobby and bobby and i are great friends we've been friends for a very long time um i didn't have gray hair when in my beard when i knew bobby many moons ago uh but bobby i was shocked when he said that i i really thought um here over the last three or four days um we've heard some news come out of phoenix that you know spring training being delayed. Now I have um, heard some other things about that, that I, I would just be shocked if we start on time, but you know, who am I? I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm guy that's going to go to work when they say, you know, we're going to, we're going to play ball. Then I'm going to go, I'm going to broadcast the games, Chuck. Yep. Like, <laughs> like you, when they, when they say they're going to tip it off, we're going to be there. That's right. So, so that's what we're going to do. I I've heard both sides of the coin. You know, I think, Safety first for everybody. We all know that um, in all the sports. So we will see. 
I would think by the end of this coming weekend, we're going to know a lot more um, about whether or not we start on time. But I, the one thing I love that Bobby was saying is, you know, this is something that he feels uh, very strongly about. And if that's the case, I'd be happy. And um, there's nothing I can think that would make me feel better than going and sitting in Sloan Park um, in Phoenix and watching a ball game and, and seeing some of our fans in the park and then getting back to Wrigley and having a stadium full of Cub fans. And, you know, we just all miss that. We miss normalcy. We miss cheering for our guys and, and just showing up at Wrigley. Um, I, that That's that's what I can't wait for, to mm. be honest with you. They have 40,000 people yelling at Wrigley Field. Yeah, I think you speak for many, many, many fans around the United States, certainly in Chicago, listening. Ron, be well and be safe and take care. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Chuck, great to talk to you. You and Billy, I uh, love listening to you guys. So uh, best of luck to you guys with the Bulls, and uh, we will see you soon, buddy. Yeah, by the way, I think the Illinois high school sports are going to restart soon. So, Amen for that. Yes, finally. <laughs> give it to those young kids, the men Absolutely. And women, These poor know? kids have gone through hell, and if our governor can please see fit to let these kids play, God bless, because these poor kids have gone through enough. They need to start playing. Yes. On that note, Ron, we will say thank you. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Ron Coomer uh, joining us right here on 670 The Score. In just a few moments, we're going to talk about one of the big storylines today in uh, college football, and it happened right on the campus of Northwestern. This is Chuck Swirsky on 670 The Score. Back with more after this. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 